guys. Welcome to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 43. All right, guys, this week we got a really important guest, a friend of mine that I met in a mastermind out in Salt Lake City, Utah, that's actually from right here in Iowa. His name is Rob Hawk of Buffalo Ridge Capital. What makes Rob unique is he's a second-generation business owner in the wind and solar panel renewable energy business. If you've ever thought about putting solar panels or renewable energy in your business, or if you're looking at investing into renewable energy right here in the state of Iowa, you're going to want to check this out. Let's get going. So, Rob, welcome to the Student Money Podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate being here. Hey, great. I'm glad we could get together. I'm glad I could get you on the show. I really love what you're doing. Uh, I want to hear more about it. I want our audience to hear more about it. So for the people that are listening and maybe watching on YouTube and that don't are familiar with you, give me a little bit about your background and your history. Mm -hmm. I'm a second generation renewable energy developer, which means that I followed my dad into this uh, industry, into wind development and solar development. So uh, I've been in the industry industry for 29 years. Uh, which sounds like would be a veteran. I'm only 47 years old, but uh, right out of high school, dad brought in all of his kids into the industry. And so I've been developing, uh, overall, our family has developed about $12 billion worth of uh, renewable energy projects over the, the last 40 years. And that's both wind and solar, correct? Correct. Yeah, a lot of wind farms, probably the majority, probably 99% of that has been wind. Uh, wind farms, big wind farms uh, for different utilities. And then uh, 1% has been in solar. Solar is absolutely the upcoming generation because you can plug it in uh, a lot closer to the electric load, whereas wind turbines are going to be in, uh, in cornfields a little bit further away from the electric load. So um, solar is definitely a uh, space to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously the government's pushing it. They want to get as much out there as possible. You know, everything's green energy. Um, I put my name on the list for the F-150 Lightning for an EV vehicle. And of course there's tax incentives for those as well. I'm assuming for uh, a business or a municipality or anyone that wants to put in wind or solar that there's probably a lot of tax advantages out there as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. The incentives are really uh, very favorable for projects right now. And uh, some of the things that I hear quite often, the naysayers, oh, it wouldn't work without uh, the incentives. All energy has been incentivized. We like uh, uh, cost, uh, low cost energy because that really drives our economy. So there's an incentivization regardless of what it is. We're all in the same boat, uh, you know, if it's nuclear, coal or oil or whatever it is. We want to get uh, generation electricity to our customers as low cost as possible. And so that requires spending money in order to get a tax credit uh, to go against your tax bill. So yes, uh, it's very favorable at this time. And uh, you know, if we got some time, I can go into the, all the incentives that are available at this time, but it is incredible. And we've never had uh, as good of incentives as we do right now. So this is the best time to be in renewable energy. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, energy and and cheap access to energy is what we're going to need to be able so. to produce things in order to uh, be an entrepreneurs and grow businesses and to provide goods and services. So the ability to provide cheap energy, you know, I know it's changed quite a bit just because I never really saw wind farms until I, you start to get, you're located up in Northwest Iowa around Storm Lake, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. We're uh, located on Buffalo Ridge, which uh, ironically is the name of our investment fund. And uh, the, what the anomaly is, and you really can't see it until you're off the ridge, but it is the rise in elevation uh, between North Dakota and almost to Des Moines. So it, the ridge starts in North Dakota, runs through South Dakota, Southwest Minnesota, through Northwest Iowa, and then really kind of starts to flatten out near Des Moines. And is from some of the glacier uh, glaciers that came through, created this uh, upturn in the soil uh, and created a ridge that's very long. And that ridge creates uh, an uplift of wind or a very exceptional area for uh, installing wind turbines. So uh, there's somewhere around uh, 9,000 wind turbines that start in North Dakota on this ridge and head down to uh, down to Des Moines. So a lot of turbines on this Buffalo Ridge. Yeah, so like when I go up Interstate 35 from Des Moines and maybe up to Minneapolis, things like that, you know, you mm -hmm. start you start to see those windmills. And of course, I ride Ragbri across the state of Iowa, and I just know that Northwest Iowa has had tons and tons of windmills. And now we're starting to see them in Eastern Iowa. And Kirkwood Community College has a big windmill, and they actually have a program for people that want to do uh, windmills and and the engineering on it and and the tech side of that business. So it's really booming. And then, of course, the solar part uh, is really picking up as well. You can have solar everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think uh, there's solar on some of the dormitories there in at Kirkwood as well, correct? Some of the apartments? There, through. Yeah. So one of the things about student housing, kind of back back to that real estate that I'm familiar with, that you know, typically they provide utilities with, with student housing. So being able to provide electricity in a cheap format, and I would say kudos to Havercamp Property Management out of Ames at Iowa State. Uh, they are the ones that own the ones here in Cedar Rapids out of Kirkwood, and they started putting out those solar panels both at Iowa State and here at Kirkwood on top of their roofs. And then I know some other business owners that got some uh, solar from you as well here in Cedar Rapids. So you're really starting to see it. And of course, uh, it's also in the news here because they shut down the Dwayne Arnold nuclear power plant. And now they want to do 3,000 acres of solar panels around that, around that area uh, and around the Coggin area. So these solar panel farms are coming up all over as well as uh, the, the wind energy. And then I always thought, you know, a few years ago that, you know, why aren't these farmers tapping into this? There has to be a program out there. Everybody that's got a farm really should have, um, you know, a, a windmill and solar panels and things of that sort. So in the ag industry, I would think it would be highly advantageous to do so. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, the majority of our customers are hog producers because uh, um, mm. right now the hog producers, uh, they're having a little bit tough run in the market right now. The pricing is below their cost. Uh, and so they're having a little bit of a hard time. But, it, I mean, that's farming as well. It's, it's, it's up, it's down, it's up and down, depending on commodities and other things that impact. 
And so when a hog farmer or just a farmer in general, they can impact their bottom line by taking something that's an expense, their electric bill. They're going to pay it no mm -hmm. matter what. And they get to take that electric bill off of their profit and loss statement and now put it on their balance sheet as an asset. So their farm just increased $100,000, $200,000 more in value because they bought an asset, a solar project, installed that asset, got some tax incentives in order to put it into place. Now they reduced their electric bill. And we're seeing farms that were spending 3, 000, uh, up to $3,000, $4,000 a month in electric bill. And once they put in their own generation, they're, they're going to zero or um, bare minimum the metering cost. So whatever it is to be connected to their utility, they're still paying that fee. But, you know, their energy, their cost of energy went from $3,000 a month to, to zero. And so it's when farmers are having to deal with variable prices of anhydrous and variable prices of seed corn and for other fertilizer, this is something that they can predict that they own and the, there won't be any variability in the price of their solar power uh, 100 years from now because the cost of the sun is going to still be zero. So it's, it's a way for farmers to be able to put an asset on their farm and be able to have something that's predictable and in an industry that is really unpredictable. I mean, you have to deal with fluctuations all of the time. They do. But if farmers are really good at taking a look at this and crunching the numbers because ultimately farming is a business just like anything else. And I'm really amazed these farmers out there that that really know the business of farming and they know what it means to plant a seed and then to the the reap from what they've sow essentially right be so when they yeah. when they know it costs so much to plant a seed and then for it and then the harvest later down the road uh they got that very calculated so i could see that they would be very smart and like you said especially i know they have the hog farming where they have to have fans going constantly in in those pens uh i know some people that are turkey farmers that are same thing chicken where you know they get these large amounts and they have to raise them in a short amount of time and in the summertime like when we're going on rag brian they're with me riding along with me they're worried about the heat killing off their, their turkeys and killing off the chickens and the produce, things like that, because it's so hot, they consume so much electricity with fan movements and keeping keeping them cool uh, so that they can survive the, the hot Iowa winters. Yeah, yep. no, that is very true. And the thing that's really interesting, so we do have a lot of customers that are, are converting and the farmers are, are, are a great one. Uh, the other one that's really good are landlords. Uh, especially the business owners that have their real estate separate from their business, probably 99, hopefully, uh, if you've had any good tax advisors and any good attorneys that you separate your real estate from your operating entity. And uh, so any of those operating entities will be paying rent to the landlord, and hopefully that should be you. And those landlords are then going to get the tax incentives. They're also going to get revenue from their operating entity and be able to make more money from their their from their operating company. So there's a lot of opportunities, not just farmers. We have a number of customers in the, in the Cedar Rapids areas that are business owners have uh, used their roof space in order to put uh, solar on their on their on their business and pick up another source of income. 
Yes. And we've been talking about a lot on our show and about my, on my monthly seminars, we've been talking a lot about depreciation schedules and um, accelerated depreciation and cost segregation studies. Do you know how many years the solar and wind products are depreciated? Are they a five, seven, 15, or a, what's, what's the normal depreciation on those? We get accelerated depreciation and uh, it, it's going to be change frequently and so make sure you're checking your local depreciation codes for i mean it's it's going to be a state level and federal level on that depreciation mm -hmm. state level we get makers depreciation so we get a big chunk of the depreciation up front and then they got a straight line well it's not exactly straight line but a declining balance uh for five years following that so there is some accelerated depreciation uh, that goes along with the the asset purchase. Yeah, and so for business owners that maybe make a lot of money and have a lot of income coming in and they want to be able to find out what's my tax advantage to be able to offset this income so that I don't have to pay my silent par partner, Uncle Sam, to be able to basically take the profits from that business and, and reinvest that back into solar panels and solar energy. And then to be able to take all of those depreciations, which offsets that income, you know, those are the huge tax advantages. And that's not even really talking about you know, the, the, what the government's giving you on top of that for, for putting solar in. So, um, you know, you're right. And then once those assets are paid for, now you're getting uh, all of that free sunshine and that free energy coming in. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I guess one of the people, one of the things people always bring up is the battery technology. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Batteries come along really fast. Um, some places it's really needed depending on the utility uh, but the battery is coming to the point where you can see it everywhere. You know, Teslas and Nissan Leafs and Chevy Bolts, uh, you're seeing it used in transportation quite frequently. And so it's, it's available and the opportunity is there. Are we installing a lot? No, not necessarily because we're still waiting for the price point to come into line um, where it's needed. It's, it's important. So... We have done some off-grid cabins and some other things that are, are fun and unique, uh, but um, the battery technology is coming along quickly and it will provide that, you know, the sun doesn't shine all the time and, and the wind doesn't blow all the time. Yes, that's true. We can very inexpensively put in, in battery power, but, you know, the, the case in point is that a nuclear power plant like uh, the Neil... Yeah, Payload. Yeah, Dwayne Arnold. You know, they shut that down within 30 minutes when the derecho came through and they never spun it back up. That's a thousand megawatts of generation that was shut off like that and, you know, pretty quick for a nuclear power plant. And then they never spun it back up. And so there's some there's an impact on a grid. But the thing that people don't understand is that the, the, the electric grid is very elastic. It can very, uh, you know, we have system operators that can that can pull in other resources in order to compensate for a thousand megawatt uh, nuclear power plant going offline and not coming back online. So if we have a cloud go over on a, someone's house, it's not going to be as much of an impact as a nuclear power plant going down and not being able to provide generation for the area. So the little bit of variability that we have in sun and the little bit of variability that we have in wind we can compensate by forecasting and uh, and then we have other generation sources in the grid. So 
it, it's exciting on on what's happening and that battery technology is coming along in order to make uh, uh, that that um, basically a shock absorber for the grid. And that's one of the things with that uh, solar plant that's being built there in Palo is they are going to do, as I understand it, last thing is 750 megawatts of solar generation and 250 megawatts of battery storage. So and it's going to be one of the largest uh, battery storage projects that I know of, but it's going to be able to have that predictability. You know, nuclear power was nice because it always ran no matter what, other than when big storms come through. And so we will be able to do that with solar, store the generation in batteries and just dis dis uh, distribute it at all times. And nuclear would actually produce generation at a negative price point where solar can only, I mean, you can turn it on and off just like a light switch because it's that quick, where nuclear was always running. You couldn't just necessarily shut it down. So it is exciting with battery technology and how things are going. So, but the majority, I would say, didn't you say the majority of the stuff you do, you just, they don't include the battery yet because that's, that's a part of the expense. So you would say that most of the time when you're hooking them up, it likes for at night, for instance, they're pulling off the grid, but then during the day when the sun's up, it's the basically reverses and, and then you're, and then you're providing into the grid, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that, and of course, being in the industry for 29 years, you kind of hear all these negative things about what you're doing. And, and there's negative in every space. Right. Yeah. But the things that I said, well, you know, it's all putting back into the grid and the utility has to pay for it. But the utility isn't paying for generation. So if I put a solar system on your roof and it's overproducing, putting it on the grid, then all your neighbors are getting the benefit of your generation and actually improves the quality of the electricity in your area because it smooths out the 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 uh, the ripples mm -hmm. and so you know it's a very much a positive impact for all the neighbors around you when you put in your own generation because they're when you're overproducing they're getting to uh, use that electricity and the utility turns around and sells it to your neighbor so when it goes onto the grid they get it free from you and as a credit and then they go down to your neighbor and then sell that electricity you put on the grid and sell it to your neighbor so you know as far as negatively impacting the grid it's one of those you know hey tinfoil keeps you uh, safe from you know radio waves so you wear a tinfoil hat and right same thing yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. No, so Jeff, go ahead I, I was just going to say, uh, I was going to change gears a little bit and say, yeah. you know, it sounds like you've been doing, you and your family have been doing solar for a very long time. And, and you have a business that does wind and solar. And then we actually met with a, at a mastermind and I had to go all the way to Salt Lake City, Utah to mm -hmm. run into another Iowa guy at a mastermind. Yeah. Right. And, and of course we were both there uh about about funds and um so let's let's shift gears a little bit about you know you started a fund and like you said it's called it's called uh buffalo ridge capital so let's talk about that yeah yeah what's really exciting about a fund uh, it solves a problem that i've been having in this industry uh in the renewable energy industry is that outside of iowa there's a lot of folks that get understand the value of investing in renewable energy and so we have a project at Grinnell College. Uh, it's an $8.1 million project. And we went around because Grinnell College, 
has a $2.4 billion endowment. It's an incredible amount of money that's put in to investments in order to keep that college running and operating. And we signed this contract with Grinnell College, and we went around the state of Iowa in order to find investors and finance partners in order to keep that money in Iowa. And we couldn't do it. I mean, for nine months, we ran around meeting with banks and, and insurance companies and everyone around in order to say, hey, guys, this is one of the most secure investments that you're going to be able to invest in. And it's predictable. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult. It was uh, we finally ended up out in Manhattan, signed a deal with Manhattan and they're uh, 1200 miles away. Uh, and, and they don't see what the project looks like on a day to day basis. And they don't know who their customers are like we do. And so we ended up starting our own fund because it gives us an opportunity to have something very predictable. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. And if it doesn't, <laughs> there's a lot of problems we have to deal with. The wind is going to come up tomorrow. And if it doesn't, we're going to have a lot of problems to deal with. So, uh, you know, it's some of those things that we can predict the cost of that wind and solar is very predictable. You know, you're not going to have, you're not going to have OPEC squeezing the price of, uh, of wind and, and you know because they have uh, an issue with us we don't have to deal with that we don't have to deal with transportation issues of getting sun into the united states through some congested ports we don't have to deal with that the sun will come up the wind will blow and we know with with uh forecasting tools when those those events are going to happen so uh it's very reliable uh, as i describe it to people it is uh, it is a mutual fund risk, you know, very low risk uh, investment, and it has a hedge fund rate of return. On average, uh, we see uh, 13 to 30% rate of return on some of our projects. And it depends on the utility and a number of other variables that are there. And I think with a, uh, we need to rerun it with some of the new incentives that are involved. It's going to jump even higher than that, uh, than, than what, you know, 13, 13 is on our low side. And uh, I think in our portfolio, we went as high as 38%. We don't, we don't broadcast those numbers um, because can you really believe a 38% rate of return on your fund? You know, Warren Buffett on average hits 20%, right? Right. So, but these are things that are very predictable. In tax credits, depreciation, those are predictable. And some of the other things, those are predictable. And so, you know, very reliable place to be able to put money. And one of the things that I've, people I target as real estate investors uh, because they understand an, an equivalent. They rent floor space at so much per month. We are renting electricity. We're selling electricity at so much per month, and we're going to get an ongoing revenue stream regardless of, uh, of you know, the, the month or the rain or the economy or a recession or, you know, an embargo or whatever it is we're going to get or uh, a pandemic. You know, our project started construction during the middle of the pandemic and uh, Grinnell College still used 82% electricity, even though they had zero students on campus or faculty. So 82% of the electric bill, they still use no matter what. So very predictable. And that's real estate investors, I think, should be looking at this because it's a good um, hedge in their portfolio because there's going to be you're going to have a tenant. They're going to move out. They're going to leave holes in the wall. I mean, what things do you have to deal with your your real estate, right? I mean, you know how it goes. So you put, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
No, I, I I get it, and and I guess this would be considered. Is this a private equity fund? I mean, it's a obviously it's a green energy fund because that's the business that you're in. Uh, but when you take a look at hedge funds, private equity, venture capital, real estate funds, this is really more of a private equity, correct? Right. Yeah. That's the, the, yep. The way it's structured. So, and we don't talk a lot on on the shows about private placements, which is exactly what this is. Uh, is this is a private placement that you know the big boys play in this arena typically mm -hmm. right the the um uh, the large corporations the institutional grade investments so in order to be the to be, bring this down to a street level for someone they're called private placements that people have the opportunity to invest in yeah. because they're they're not Exactly. There, there's, there's public investments, which is going to be your stocks and bonds and Wall Street that you go to your broker or you can go online to, to E-Trade or whatever it is and trade. So those are publicly traded securities. And then there's privately secu uh, traded securities that are private placements. And that's exactly what this is. This is a private placement. And this yeah. is a 506C, which right. means we can talk about it publicly, uh, right. but there are restrictions on who can invest, correct? Right. Credit investors are the ones that we target. Uh, they are high net worth individuals or high net worth companies that are looking to invest in investments like this. One of the most popular investors in renewable energy is uh, real estate companies. Uh, one of my dad's first projects he did was here in Storm Lake, and we had a Canadian insurance company invest in our project because it's a very predictable rate of return over a long period of time. And so they were very happy with an investment like this. So insurance companies are frequently investing in this because the more uh, money they have deployed, the more policies they can turn around and then write uh, for and get more insurance and people insured. So very secure for insurance companies, uh, also people that want to have a reliable long-term revenue stream from this. Uh, we have a project that a, a retired pharmacist had invested in. I mean, they invested in our fund, and then we had an asset that he needed uh, to offset a tax bill with. So then uh, he went in and invested in one of our projects, and now is the owner. It's got a revenue stream that's very predictable for the next 20 years. He knows he's going to get it and uh, from the sale of electricity. Now, we manage all those little details on our projects and so and because it's our expertise. Right Now, uh, one of the things that's interesting, sorry, Jeff, uh, is that we are the only renewable energy fund in the state of Iowa. We did the research, and there's a number of different investment funds in Iowa, but we are the only one in Iowa, even though we're the number one in the nation for the amount of generation that comes from renewable energy. But we are probably the, the lowest in the nation for the uh, investors that actually Iowans that own renewable energy, and we are making that opportunity through our fund to more islands. Yeah, I love it. That's exactly right. And, and you know, some people, when I take a look at what other funds and deals are out there, you know, there's ethanol plants uh, that some farmers might be familiar with, uh, the casinos that they keep talking about here in Cedar Rapids. That actually is a fund that's made up of Cedar Rapids business people that are investing. But you're right. The typical investor for these big multi-million dollar deals are going to be uh, institutional grade 
uh, businesses. They might be insurance companies because what do they do with your premiums? They turn around and invest them. That's exactly why Warren Buffett bought Geico and Berkshire Hathaway is because what they want is they want your premiums that you, that you give the company every month so that they can turn around and invest that into deals like yours uh, so that they can get a, a fixed rate of return. And right here in the state of Iowa, things like IPERS, this is where they invest your, your retirement dollars, things of that sort. So by doing a private placement, we're able to take these bigger deals and make it available to, to people on Main Street that are accredited investors. Now, true, you do have to be accredited, which by definition is single. You have to make over $200,000 a year for the past two years and reasonable expectations that you're going to make it next year. And if you're married, it's $300,000 or you need to have over a million dollars in uh in net worth not including your personal your personal residence so you know you do have to make the suitability standards and the income standards that the sec securities and exchange commission it says is out there but if you meet those then you can invest into these private placements and get the same returns uh where the big boys play so um and that's exactly right for for somebody right here in iowa that can invest in iowa in, in renewable energy. Yep. Well, and the other thing that's really interesting that people don't know is that they can use their 401k or their IRAs, their, some of their retirement vehicles that they are already using in order to invest in an alternative investment like this. This is uh, fits in that area. And I personally have moved money. If anyone else has watched their 401ks or their retirement plans, just go boop, 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 boop. And I, I have to. And so I got tired of watching it. And so I've been investing in our own fund. I'm probably... Um, you know, for fund managers, the fund managers that make the most money are the ones that are investing in their own fund because they're making more money on the returns that they're getting from investing in their fund than just the, the management fees. So some of the best fund managers in the world are, are also the, some of the largest investors in their own fund. Exactly right. I mean, I liquidated my 401k years ago and put it all into real estate. So I don't own any stocks. I don't own any bonds. Um, I, I do have I got cryptocurrencies. I've obviously have real estate. Uh, I have these things and I talk about when to be focused and when to be diversified. So you certainly can, you can take your 401ks and your retirements and you can do basically a rollover into what's called a self-directed IRA because you, you have to have a third-party custodian that takes that money so that you it never touches your hands and that's how you keep it tax-sheltered and tax-deferred because you can't touch your money until 59 and a half without a penalty. So there's companies out there that act as custodians that, mm -hmm. take, that take care of that for us and invest right. that money. So then when you're, uh, so the cash that kicks out the return for their investment then goes right back into that custodian, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all uh, taken care of by professionals. And one of the things that if you don't know if you're an accredited investor, you talk to your uh, your accountant or to your bank or whatever, and they'll be able to, to get you a letter that we need for accreditation. There are some that are already registered as accredited investors, and there's investor check uh, that we have to go through with a 506C in order to verify that you're an accredited investor. But a lot of things that are out there in order to allow people to get into this, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a great place to be. Uh, you know, I had 
uh, two brothers that were on each side of an investment. The mom uh, is a, a widow and she sold a farm and had some tax liabilities and wanted to know what to do. The one son was a stockbroker and the other son believed in renewable energy. And he said, mom, you're going to be able to see this. You're not going to see the stocks from Nike unless you go and buy the Nike shoe, but you're not going to see the Nike plant. Now we're investing in municipal projects that might be in their community or uh, distillery or the school, and it'll be in their communities. And that's the thing that's really great. And the thing that, uh, that I've seen over the years of developing wind and solar projects is that we're taking that money out of these communities and it's gone. I mean, it went to New York, it went to San Francisco, it went to Toronto and it's gone. But we're targeting high net worth individuals in our communities and they happen to sit on the board of directors. And that's one of the investors that uh, invested in us. And then two months later, we're signing a contract to develop a project for a $17.5 million wind farm for an ethanol plant. And that's what we can get by using local investors is they're going to be able to see these opportunities, these savings and like, you know what? We need to do this for the ethanol plant. We need to do it for the opera house. We need to do it for the law enforcement center. We're gonna save money for these communities by bringing renewable energy in. And sometimes it needs to take those high net worth individuals to go, you know what guys, this works. The hospital needs to look at this. And the, the uh, kindergarten, the preschool, you know, we wanna save you some money and I'm going to bring you this opportunity in order to save some money. Oh, and by the way, I'm also an investor. And so it gives uh, that, that school or that uh, college the comfort that, you know what, I got someone in my community that's going to invest in my solar project. So we're keeping the money in Storm Lake. We're keeping it in Cedar Rapids. We're keeping it in Iowa. So that money keeps turning over and over. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, here in Cedar Rapids, I'm on communications as a fiber optic company, and uh, they're competing with Mediacom. And you think of Mediacom as being this giant national wide conglomerate, and that I'm on is a kind of a startup right here in eastern Iowa in Cedar Rapids that's building out. And then what happened is they got they got bought by Goldman Sachs out of New York. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Goldman Sachs now owns the local fiber distribution in Cedar Rapids and across yeah. a lot of cities and communities. So now every time I pay the bill, instead of giving it to Mediacom, I'm giving it to I'm on, who it's going right to a bank in New York City and it's leaving the state of Iowa and it's gone. Yeah. You know, so here here so this is an this is an opportunity to put money into an Iowa investment where the money is going to stay in Iowa and better the state of Iowa and not go to New York City. Yeah. Uh, we want to turn the flow. Um we might be investing in projects like one in Wyoming, a few in Minnesota. I know we're talking to someone in South Dakota. And so our group of investors, and you don't have to be from Iowa, I just from rural America. We don't have all of these opportunities, and it's not necessarily because they're not there. We just sometimes are closed-minded to these opportunities. And uh, these farmers have wind turbines in their fields, and they, you know, they're happy to get a ten thousand dollar check. Till I tell them that that wind turbine that sits in your field makes three thousand dollars a day in revenue. They're like, really? Multiply that times three hundred sixty-five days of the year. That's the kind of revenue they're missing out on. You know how many turbines we got in the state of Iowa? It's incredible. There's $20 billion that's been invested in renewable energy in Iowa 
and we got wind turbines on our on our uh, driver's licenses and on our license plates, but only 1.5% of Iowans have invested in renewable energy. That's a pathetic number. It's absolutely appalling that we have all of this generation, but we're giving it to Warren Buffett, who owns uh, Berkshire Hathaway. You know, they own 61% of the wind turbines. Alliant Energy owns a good portion, but 10%. 10% of the wind turbines that are owned uh, that are in Iowa are owned by foreign utilities. So now we're letting it escape the country. So yeah. when I, we, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if our listeners know that mid American energy who provides gas and electrical service in the state of Iowa is owned by Berkshire Hathaway and is Warren Buffett. It's a Warren Buffett business. So, you know, yeah, that you think, you think mid American might be a local, a local, but it's, it's, it's not as part of that national conglomerate. So uh, this is an opportunity to, like you said, to reverse the flow and to for for to invest in those other areas too. But you know, to invest into Iowa and to invest in something that I think is, it's obviously it's something that the government is is going. It's it's a hot button. It's what everybody's doing. And uh, whether you invest into putting solar panels on your house, on your business, uh, at your local school, where the county, if the county does it, whatever it may be, but then also you can invest in a fund like, your, like yours and invest in these huge institutional grade investments uh, that are gonna be there for literally decades. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you mentioned Goldman Sachs and Warren Buffett. Both of them uh, have invested highly in renewable energy. Uh, BlackRock is another one that 40% of their portfolio, I think they have a $10 trillion portfolio, $4 trillion is invested in renewable energy because they understand where the market's going. It's not because of this tree hugger thing. I mean, that's what they think that renewable energy is for tree huggers. Um, uh, no, absolutely. This is about independence. It's about freedom. You know, there's no one deployed for a wind turbine in order to protect wind turbines in the Middle East. No, they're all U.S.-based wind turbines. And there's no security guards around them. I mean, so, you know, this is about independence. This is about um, the American way of taking care of ourselves and not having to import anything. We are free because we have renewable energy. So, you know, so Warren Buffett has a fund, but it's publicly traded. Berkshire Hathaway is essentially a fund that invests in businesses and then acquires them and brings them into the Berkshire Hathaway Fund. And then Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs is another one that's great because they're predicting 16 trillion dollars 16 trillion dollars needs to be invested in this space in the renewable energy space because you can install it faster uh, than any other energy source and you you can uh, operate it for less cost than anything else i mean natural gas is another one that's a good sister to us um, and very easily deployed in different areas um, it doesn't have the variability i mean it has the variability that we don't in pricing you know you get all over, but you know, um, we are in a portfolio. No one invests in just one building. Um, mm -hmm. Energy is a portfolio and we need natural gas, we need coal, we need nuclear, we need um, oil, but everyone's subsidized. Oil is permanent subsidization. Mm -hmm. Nuclear has more subsidization than anyone because they can't get an insurance policy. There's no one that's writing an insurance policy for a nuclear power plant. You know who writes the insurance policy for a nuclear power plant? The, the US government. Yeah. The US government. And you know who's paying that for the insurance policy? That's you and that's me. So, you know, don't think that, oh, you know, without incentives, everyone, 
everything has been incentivized. So uh, right. you might as well take advantage of these opportunities while they're available. Otherwise, someone else will. Yeah, I know I live in Iowa, and it's probably not cool to say, but corn is subsidized, soybeans are subsidized, ethanol is subsidized, and all of those things. Uh, so, but but yeah, awesome. I love it. So I want to know more. How can our how can our listeners and viewers out there find out more information? Yep. Our website is buffaloridgecapital.com. Nice and easy uh, for everyone to be able to find. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and all the other social media stuff that's out there. And uh, we have some great videos about our fund. I mean, it, we really want to keep money in Iowa because when Iowa money stays here, Iowa grows. When money stays here, our children don't leave the state. And that's one that I've said to Lieutenant Governor uh, Adam Gregg is that our most expensive import in Iowa is our children. We expect uh, export more children out of the state of Iowa, and it's not some weird uh, traffic, human trafficking. It's the, the jobs. They're going to jobs out of state because there's nothing here. And if we keep money in the state through an investment fund like yours or from like mine, we're investing back into the state. We're investing in jobs and we're keeping the children because we live, I mean, we have incredibly intelligent kids. Our school systems are good. You know, it's a great place to raise a family, but we keep exporting kids all the time because the jobs are outside of the state. So we need to do what we can in order to be able to uh, uh, keep the kids close to home and, and uh, not that we don't want to let them take off and, and on their own wings, but you know, there's too many parents that I've heard that, oh, I have to spend $1,200 in order to see my grandkids in Boston. I'm like, why? Did you invest in local businesses? Did you invest in local opportunities? Oh, I bought stocks in the stock market. You know, and how many stock publicly traded companies are in Iowa? Uh, well, not that many. So yeah. if they're investing in Iowa, they're investing in opportunities that keep uh, our state growing. And that's why I started my own fund. And I mean, it hasn't been easy because, I mean, you talk to about renewable energy, you know, sometimes you get a blank stare. I don't get it. I mean, like, it's predictable. And that's what we want is be able to have it invested in vehicle like Buffalo Ridge Capital that we can pull our money together and grow opportunities because very seldomly are we out prospecting. Uh, I don't think we ever prospect on our own. We're having someone introduce us an opportunity where we're going to come in and sell electricity to that opportunity like Grinnell College. That was an introduction and that where we went in and, and put together that solar project. Yes. Beautiful. I love it. I think Iowa's great place to grow up, great place to live. I mean, oh. I've got buddies from high school that left 25 years ago and they're coming back because yep. they they can't, they don't like where they've been living the last 25 years. So yep. they're going to come back and retire back in Iowa because the lifestyle's better. This, like you said, the schools are awesome. Uh, it's, it's a great place to be. So I've got, I've got my Buffalo Ridge capital. Uh, PPM, private placement memorandum. If you're an accredited investor, I highly recommend you take a look at it. Um, and then if you're not an accredited investor, I would take a look at how you can get solar on your house, what you can do, uh, you know, give Rob a call and, and talk about your farm, whatever it may be, about how you can still take advantage of solar. And then, uh, you know, there might be other avenues as well. So, uh, Rob, thanks for thanks for coming on the show today and talking about it. This it's been awesome. Yeah, thank you, thank you for all that you do with the student money. Uh, there's <laughs> so much to learn, 
And you absolutely could be wealthy if you just take the time, the opportunity to listen, listen to Jeff and, and uh, hear what he has, the wisdom that he has. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Hey, uh, thanks, Jeff. Yep, talk to you later. All right, guys, what did you think of our interview with Rob from Buffalo Ridge Capital? There's a lot of incentives, tax advantages, and the government really wants you to invest and install green, clean, renewable energy right here in the state of Iowa. All right, that's all the time we got this week. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, leave comments. Let me know what you think. We're trying to bring everything we can on entrepreneurship, investing, real estate investing, and millionaire mindset. So please let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. Let me know who you'd like to see right here on the podcast. And remember, this Sunday at the Cedar Rapids Public Library, we're holding our April Real Estate Investing Mastermind at 2 o'clock at Beams Auditorium in the Cedar Rapids Public Library. So if you can't be there, go check us out on our website at www.studentofmoney. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer, and remember, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I'll see you next week.